My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Lori Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about the idea of nurture. And the card is the goddess is standing with her deer and the deer has her head on her hip and the goddess is giving herself a big hug. And there's a sun shining and a rainbow behind her and she's sort of in the clouds. And it's just a very sweet card. And the back of the card reads, nurture means to provide true nourishment for our body, minds, and souls. When we become more present and aware of our needs, it is easier to define what feels good to our bodies and selves and what is nourishing to us. When we stop hating ourselves and start practicing loving kindness, it is easier to take care of ourselves in nurturing ways. So for me, the idea of nurturing myself was completely not there. It wasn't there. I had no idea. I didn't feel like I was nurtured that much as a child, so I didn't have much to call upon. And I for sure didn't even know what that word meant. But to think about it in terms of nourishment, that actually nurturing means that you get nourishment for your body, mind, and soul, that to me was sort of like, well, is that food? Is that alcohol? Is that (laughs) religion? Is that, what is that? So to break it down for me, nurturing to myself meant to be present with myself, to be accepting of myself, and to just sort of, before I could love myself, just at least be okay with myself, work towards that. And I hated my body so much for so much of my life that to let go of the hate and then to go to being accepting and then to go to, after that, being loving, that took a long time. But I kept just trying to take care of myself in nurturing ways, whatever that meant for me. We have Helen with us today. I'm going to let her introduce herself. But I did groups with her for many years through Beyond Hunger. And she brought that nurturing piece so well for people. And one thing I remember that she used to say is treat yourself like you're a fragile vase. It was such a sweet thing to say to people who just knock themselves around all over the place with their words and how they treat themselves. But it was very nurturing to listen to feedback from Helen when she would tell people, just be on your own side. Just be okay with where you are with yourself. You're great. You're fabulous. You're going to get through this and treat yourself like you're precious. It was so sweet to always hear that. It helped me too. So here is Helen. I'm going to introduce her. She's going to tell us what she's doing these days, which is a lot, I'm sure. And then we'll talk about nurturing. How do we do that? How do we tell people to do it? How did we do it for ourselves? So take it away, Helen. 
Hi, Laura Lee. Oh, I'm kind of nervous. I do have <laughs> to give props for the fragile vase. I use that a lot. It is from Janine Roth. And I love that. I don't know if she still uses it, but a million years ago when I started my own recovery, she helped me and really helped me thus decide to help other people because it is such a life changing experience. In the job I do now is private practice and I work a lot with grief and loss, which I think we all know, but it's worth saying out loud is not just about the loss of people we love through death, but the loss of hopes and the loss of body function and the loss of relationships and moving and change. There's a lot of grief and loss that happens that isn't real obvious or black and white. And I've been thinking about if I were to write a book about just the tenderness of change and how that is so relevant, even minute to minute in our lives. And I was just thinking in terms of nurture, for me as a child, and even now at 49, seven squared, introducing and reintroducing and underlining and putting an exclamation point by prioritizing joy and pleasure and how there isn't any rules about it. There doesn't have to be a certain way we do joy or creativity or uh, hold ourselves to pleasure and what pleasure gets to look like when we're in charge. Because when Laura Lee was talking about having someone basically growing up without that protective, nurturing person consistently, I believe that was definitely missing for me and what's really poignant for me right now and has been for a long time and and since recovery is to like feed myself in ways that are not in all connected to food but how that really helped me um at peace with food because often I just turn to food thinking that would fix or help something. And of course, we know it's better than heroin. Yep. Better than, you know, whiskey. It's better than lots and lots of things, right. you know, gambling, the list goes on. But it's still not feeding us what often we really want, which is care and attention. As a lot of us have had during COVID, I've been raising teenagers, which is in and of itself a mighty challenge, especially during COVID when there hasn't been their supports that they've needed. And their growth journey was, of course, vehemently affected by this last, what's a good word for it, just tragedy, really. I've really had to say a lot to myself and to tell myself there's a good reason for this because it's <laughs> Often the inner critic is so in charge, so in charge. But when you try to pay attention to nurturing yourself, it means you have an opportunity to say as much as I can remember, right? Hey, like you're doing the best you can or this isn't. You're not trying to do this thing to be an asshole. You know, you're just trying to figure this out and you don't know what else to do. I think Laura Lee used to say, which I love so much in group, you used to say, you didn't know what else to do. What else could you have done? That was the best you could do at the time. That's right. Yeah. That's the tools you had. Yeah. I really have come up to that during this last year, often, (laughs) it turns out. Yeah. And I think because we have been in group, we were in group together for so long being co, uh, co-dependents, I was going to say, but it was <laughs> co-dependents. Oh, probably some of that. Yes. 
co-leaders of the group of, of having to sort of switch off with what we said to each other was we were often so much on the very same page about exactly what people were going through, what we were going through, and it wasn't having to reinvent the wheel every group. It was, yes, of course you would feel like that. How could you not? And I must have thought about that a million times during the lockdown and being so afraid. And it's still here, really. I mean, we're still scared and people are still dying every day all over the world. And so how could we feel so free and easy. We can't. It's hard to do that right now when your life is at stake. Anyway, so I do really appreciate you picking this card to really provide that true nourishment, which is so often just our own acceptance, our own self-love nourishes us like nothing else will. And being on our own side. And I think that's one thing that you used to really talk about, especially so you've got teenagers, you know, and how do we give that to the youth? That's what they need to do. Because I learned how to do that in my 30s. I didn't have any idea as a teenager that one of my jobs was to nurture myself. That wouldn't have even occurred to me. I wouldn't even know what you were talking about. So how do you, with actual living teenagers in your home? How do you give that message to them? Oh, gosh, that's a really good question. I've got to keep that in mind as I say a couple things first, which is relevant given that I'm right now, they identify as boys. I'm raising two teens that identify with pronouns of he and his, but that could change. But I was raised, and so were you, Laura Lee, as a young woman. And when I think of my own raising, and it's still really true today, I was most definitely strongly grown and encouraged to take care of everyone else but myself. And I think what's coming to mind for me is really with my people in my little house that I actually would like to think, I'm pretty sure this is true, it's, I hesitate in saying it out loud, that I try to really model for them how to do it. Because of course, we know that telling teenagers is basically like um, reverse psychology. And, um, they are much smarter than us, and yeah. we are much dumber than them. Yeah. And they will let us know that at any moment. Even my youngest, who glides around the world as though he was given some kind of golden, I don't know, magic wand. Um, my oldest has learning differences, so the world is harder for them. But my youngest, even though he just glides, he still likes to tell me how not smart or how much smarter he is, essentially. So in raising them, I like to think that as I get better at this, you know, paying attention to little Helen, like those real tender feelings and do things that at almost 50, maybe not everybody does. Try to learn how to skateboard. That's what I'm doing right now. And running again to manage the grief and loss of this year and prioritizing, excuse me, my own joy and my own breaks and holding limits and boundaries too, because they are capable, able humans. Even though my partner says, this is such a great thing. My partner says, there's a lot of requests <laughs> and, and they're very disappointed with our service a lot of the time. And yes. uh, we are notified of that. <laughs> We're given very concrete feedback about yeah 
how unsatisfactory our um <laughs> our attempts are i so, love it yeah it's, it's so true <laughs> I felt like I was in the valley of ignorance for many years. <laughs> I was so stupid. You know, I was told I was so stupid. And yet to grow a good person, to try to give them a way to cope with their feelings and their own stuff that's going to happen in their life and barely kind of knowing how to do it myself for myself. It's a task. It's a big task. And no wonder there's problems. <laughs> no wonder. Why wouldn't there be? Yeah. I think what's been enormously helpful, and I do come back to this, is that we have little soft furry people in our house too. We have two indoor cats. We have two outdoor cats. We have a soft furry dog, you know him, Happy. And we have bees. And we had a guinea pig for a while, but he has moved on. Oh. Guinea pigs. So we have a lot of experience with guinea pigs. And I think they have really helped me because, you know, a teenager can be, I I remember Carol saying this to me, the other co-founder, Beyond Hunger. She had a puppy when she was raising teens. And they can be so kind to the soft, furry people. And I think it's part of the growing up process for them not to be kind to us, for them to individuate and move on. Exactly, exactly. But particularly my youngest is really attached to one of our cats. And that cat really finds Oscar, that's our youngest, as a love object. Like it's like so (laughs) attentive and like just adores him. And then my oldest washes happy and it's really pretty helpful <laughs> and takes happy for walks sometimes and just has happy in his room. And I think there's something there that I can't even give that is most likely really pretty darn helpful. Yeah. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I- when you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. I know for me, I don't know that I could have gotten through my childhood without animals. I didn't really realize this until I, I don't know, just probably 10 years ago or so, but every picture of me as a child, I have a puppy or a kitty or a duck or I have a something in my hands you know and I just feel like of course I did though the people around me were crazy so if I could hold this little sweet thing I did and I can remember having big fights with my son when he was a teenager about who was going to sleep with the dog So, yeah, yeah, I understand that we had to work that out. (laughs) The little dog would go to both people. I'll spend half the night with you and half the night with mom. (laughs) We have, I just said, the guinea pig passed. Our dog is in great shape, truly, 11 and a half, but small. So we've hopefully got quite a few years. Yes, you do. Precious. There's been, sorry, pressure for quite some time now to get another dog. Yes, of course. I just can't take on one more person. (laughs) Yeah, the thing is, with the teenagers, they are going to move on. And I don't want to be left with a zoo. Like, I'm okay with the amount we have. So we'll see. Exactly. um, I know what you mean. (laughs) 
<laughs> they will sooner or later leave and you will might get another who knows i know that my little dog we're talking about nurture which dogs are so and cats and guinea pigs and birds are so good at nurturing us humans and they shouldn't because we're not all humans are very good to all these animals that's for sure but they do love us and we have a good relationship sometimes with animals that we don't ever get to have with people hardly but my little dog is getting really old and so i decided to get a younger dog thinking that my older dog was going to be leaving soon and what happened is he got a brand new lease on life with this new dog in the house (laughs) so so it's okay with me everybody's hanging around for a little while yeah totally i know and i definitely have the problem is you have the same thing and it worked out fine so who knows you will know if when and if this happens is like we happen to have got the best dog in the world already and i know i'm gonna be like <laughs> vividly disappointed when this new dog actually acts like a dog instead of a stuffed animal you know because <laughs> our dog is like so quiet and yeah. just always there but never doing something annoying. And I know, so, it's true. It's true. You'll get a dog that's meant to be for you. And I mean, you know, I've had dogs all my life and they're, some of them, very uh, different. <laughs> but I know. I love them all. When Carol and I were doing these cards, we decided on every card that had to have an animal in it. <laughs> and the reason why is because we had been helped by animals for so long animals are so nurturing thank goodness we have them totally and i often think laura lee about and i've used this i i do believe especially with my oldest because they are such a critical phase at 18 of learning how to live in the world and taking a non-traditional path themselves and such that i remember you telling me that that there was this program in the city for people who are really struggling like the the people that lots of agencies don't even meet like the homeless, the people that don't have access to services. And truly the therapy that was offered was simply, but we know it's not simple, but it really is hopefully the driving factor of all that we do. Just compassion. In other words, like reflective window for people to come and tell their troubles and tell their struggles and and talk about the roughest things and for someone just to listen and just to listen. And it's not that I'm terribly good at that as a parent. I think I'm much better as a professional doing that. But what helps me to do that sometimes learning as a parent is, of course, that's the purest form of nurture, right? To witness someone, witness someone basically unconditionally, you know, is trying to make space and let my little tribe, my people that are almost grown, make their own mistakes yes not get in the way of that like that's so hard for me because i just want to fix it and save it because of course what i think is the best idea of course and lamont says that like and and lamont says if only everyone would listen to my ideas then we'd all be fine and i feel like i have some really good ideas and if everyone would listen and do what i wanted then there would be no problems yeah I have the same thing too. And it's, and that really does get challenged when you have children of that. I'm clueless on what I should do with me, but I know what I should do with you. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's the nurturing is letting them have their mistakes. Of course, being there to support them and to hold the 
container, hopefully. But to, oh, isn't that interesting? That kind of blew up in your face, huh? What do you think about that? I can remember the first heartbreak of my child and he was just devastated. I could have seen that coming a mile away. <laughs> I knew that girl wasn't going to last. She didn't have the amount of love that Clinton had for her. So I thought, and it broke his heart and he got through it. And so he learned how not to give so much right at the beginning until he knew that the relationship was going to go somewhere. And that is a really good lesson to learn as a teenager. I don't remember learning that until an adult. So yeah, it was nurturing in a way to let him have it. And I did want to set that little girl's hair on fire, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just makes me think of just the other day I was, and I haven't given their names. I'm sort of being more careful, I think, with the oldest, given that they're an adult and such. But I was driving them to work and I was cross. Imagine that, being cross with an 18-year-old. I can't believe I'm not always calm and contained. But I was cross because I can't remember why. It's something to do with spending money. And of course, believe it or not, their choices with money are different from my choices. (laughs) But I'm not open to their feedback about how I spend my money. And right. they aren't open to my feedback. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's hysterical. So I was talking to them and I said, well, what happened to, you know, all that money from your paycheck? And what did you spend? And how come you bought this? And they, you know, from time to time, this happens. And it's important for me to remember. They, of course, were gruff and fought back as they probably should have and basically told me you're rubbish and I know what I'm doing and then I said well what about this you know because I had to be right too of course exactly right and they said "Mm, it's because I'm an idiot and I was like and I'm like I said no no you're really bright and clever and I'm really proud of you and work really hard and I thought wow so within him my 18 year old there's this part that they were brave enough to like air out in front of me and it'll make me cry just now even thinking about it. And I was like, okay, I think in that moment I didn't totally mess it up. Yes. No, you didn't. (laughs) I just couldn't believe that they could like, cause that's really letting someone in, you know, not not doing the like, you're wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. And of course I was doing it too. Of course. I would imagine both of you are human. Oh my gosh, that's something I use like every day, every day in my work. And I try to remember for myself, oh, it's because you're human and you're not a robot. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Exactly. Which is the nurturing part of giving ourselves the reminder that we are human and valuable. We haven't been here before in this moment. We don't know that this is what was going to happen with a little tiny virus coming to everybody in the world. We had no clue about that at all. I would have never thought about that in a million years. I would have never thought that was going to happen. Now, I know that since then, people have been saying, oh, we knew this was coming. We knew it was coming. It was going to happen sooner or later. I live in Northern California. I have kind of a feeling like there's going to be an earthquake, but I will still be shocked when it happens. <laughs> oh, definitely. I have everything patched down, hunkered down, emergency. Like some no. of my mates are really good at that. And I'm like, things that are important to me is like my latest fuzzy blanket that I'm really stoked <laughs> on. You know, like I just... <laughs> right. I'll worry about the earthquake because 
I already worry about other things. I have too much to worry about. Well, Helen, it has been a delight to talk to you about this card of nurturing. And I'm wondering if you will read the last bit of this. And this is sort of a action to tell people to do in order to get closer to their nurturing self. So would you read that? So today I will list 10 ways of nurturing my body, mind, and soul in a way that in a way that truly nourishes me. I will try at least one of these ways a day and then notice how I feel. Oh, and isn't that nurturing? And maybe just because we just talked about earthquake, we could say maybe one nourishing thing I could do for myself is fill a bottle with water and put it in the garage just in case. I might feel better about that if I do that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. And then I like do these things and then notice how you feel. Do you feel nourished? Do you feel taken care of? I mean, that's really what I wanted to feel. Somebody was taking care of me, even if it was just me, then good, good. I'm taking care of me. So thank you so much for being here today. I'm very proud of you for growing teenagers and uh, with all these animals, your little zoo. So thank you so much. And I'm glad you're still out there doing this work. Good for you. Thank you, Lee. It's lovely to be here today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.